Good morning, everybody. How are we all doing today? Excellent. So my name is Billy Hegel. Um, me and my wife, Anne Marie, have been coming here for about a year and a half now. Um, and we joined, I think, in May, officially. You can see our nice little family right there, and I'll let you guess where I work. So that's Anne Marie, Jedediah, the little guy in the middle, and then Magnolia and Stella are the two little girls right in front. Um, we belong to a small group with Tim and Tavanya Greco. Um, which if you haven't joined a small group, I know some of them are here today, I strongly encourage you to. It's a great way to build community and uh, you know, just follow that path of, uh, to discipleship um, and get to know a little bit more about Jesus in a, in a group setting where you feel comfortable. A um, couple of announcements for everybody today. So we have coming up Super Sunday, the 30th, that's right, yeah. So if you haven't heard about it, it's going to be a cookout outside here on the lawn, Florida-style cookout, you know, hot dogs, burgers, um, shaved ice, lemonades, and slides for the kids. And then we're also doing, if you haven't heard yet, a water gun fight. So everybody needs to bring a white t-shirt because it's not just a regular water gun fight. It's a tie-dye water gun fight. So it's going to be red, white, and blue. If you're interested, bring a white t-shirt to change into after your 50s attire there. And then make sure you bring that water gun so that you can come out there and have a great time with all of us, okay? It's going to start at, let's see, 5.30 p.m. And then we also only have a couple of months till the Good News Camp. Yeah, so Good News Camp is going to be a really good time. It's at Southwind, a youth camp down in Ocklawaha, Florida. Um, and when you think camping, it's not camping like tents and rustic or anything like that. Air-conditioned lodges, hot meals provided, no sitting around the fire with hot dogs on a stick. This is going to be a really, really good time for everybody, okay? Um, and then also, if you're visiting, special welcome to any of you here. If you look in the seat back in front of you there, there's our Good News Connect cards here. We'd invite you to fill out as much information as you feel comfortable providing. There's also a box at the bottom that you can check if you'd like to have uh, lunch with uh, Smiley, our pastor here. And then you can drop them in the black boxes at the back of the uh, church here on your way out. Um, all that being said, as Smiley comes up here, let's uh, bow our heads and pray. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, please allow the Holy Spirit to work through Smiley and his words as he speaks to us today. Let it open our hearts and our souls so that we may learn to be disciples and follow you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Thanks, Billy. I was impressed the second go-round, he, he ventured out to try and say that Aklawaha. So the <laughs> you, you did a great job there. Thank you. Uh, Friday was a really special day. We had Jonah and Hope. Lutheran got married. Uh, beautiful ceremony for your beautiful couple, and we were excited with them. Also, another special, we had uh, Corey Hines. He had his first served in our children's ministry, and we appreciate Corey so much for, for serving. Thank you very much. Listen, if, if you're new, we're so glad you're here. We believe the Bible is God's Word, and we're actually studying through the book of 2 Timothy, and we invite you to turn there with me. If you don't have a Bible, you can get one in the lobby. It's really good to bring, and the book smells like Jesus. It's so good to open it and, and look at it together. When I have a short passage to read, I'd like to ask you if you would stand while I read this passage so we can uh, pay attention to God's Word. 2 Timothy 1 verse 15, you are aware of the fact that all who are in Asia turned away from me, among whom are Phygelus and Hermogenes. The Lord grant mercy to the house of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. But when he was in Rome, he eagerly searched for me and found me. The Lord grant to him to find mercy from the Lord on that day. 
And you know very well what services he rendered at Ephesus. Uh, You may be seated. Today's message is entitled, Faithful or Fickle. And part of really interpreting Scripture is understanding the words, the grammar. So I wanted to give you a definition for both of these words. The word faithful means reliable, trustworthy, keeps his word on mission. Really sounds like you're describing who? Jesus. Doesn't that sound like Jesus? He's reliable, trustworthy, keeps his word on mission. Isn't, isn't faithfulness a beautiful virtue? I mean... <clears throat> Don't we want to be faithful in life and ministry? Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing? But fickle, fickle means changing frequently, especially as regards one's loyalties, interests, or affections. Uh, We live in a very fickle culture, and if we want to be faithful in a fickle culture, we need Jesus. We need Jesus. And so the point of today's message, what we're going to explore, is that Jesus enables us to be faithful, not fickle. Uh, That Jesus enables us to be faithful, not fickle. And I know I've used this illustration many times, but I think it's the best um, illustration that I know. And it's that a lot of little boys want to play football. They love football, and they love getting their uniform, the jersey's cool, the pads, I mean the shoulder pads, the helmet, the, the, the thigh pads, it makes you look like a warrior, right? And they really like the uniform, they like the team pictures, but then they play a game, and in the game of football, something happens, there's a boom, a collision. And that's a defining moment. Some of the boys don't like contact, and they'll say, I think I'll play another game. But others, when that contact happens, they say, man, I love that. And they keep playing, right? I mean, come on, Torrey Hunter Sr., a professional baseball player, asked his son, Torrey Hunter Jr., why would you play a sport with a 100% injury rate? And what do you think he said? I what? I love it. I mean, why else would you play something with a 100% injury rate unless you loved it? kind of like that with Jesus. I mean, people love Jesus and forgiveness and eternal life and all those things, and then one day, boom, they're persecuted. And what does the Bible say? And indeed, what? All who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And when that persecution comes, it's, it's, listen, they... Their friends reject them. They lose their job. It's a defining moment. It's a defining moment because some, when there's persecution, they're fickle and they walk away. And others stay. And you know why they stay? They stay because they love Jesus. Listen, it is not easy to be faithful in a time of persecution. That's why we need Jesus, and and that's why we're here And that's why we're going to begin to unpack today that Jesus enables us to be faithful, not fickle. Now, I want to teach you, as I'm teaching you today, how to interpret Scripture, okay? Uh, When we talk about interpreting Scripture, one of the things that helps is to understand the historical setting for it, the historical setting. So the setting for 2 Timothy 1, it's 64 A.D. It's 64 A.D., and Nero is Caesar, 
Um, he became Caesar at, at 54 A.D. when he was 16 years old. At 30, he would commit suicide. He was a horrible, evil Caesar. It's 64 A.D., and there's a fire in Rome. I'm sure you've heard of it. There was a fire in Rome, and many people believe that Nero set the city on fire so that he could rebuild it. Uh, and, and you've heard this saying, what was Nero doing while the city burned? He was fiddling, right? He just let the city burn. Well, as the city burned, the, the people in Rome turned against him, so he decided to blame Christians. So he said it was Christians that began the fire. And so a persecution broke out in Rome and began to spread throughout the Roman Empire. Um, <clears throat> Christians were arrested they were tortured and they were martyred. Two of our heroes, two of our apostles, Paul and Peter, were both martyred. They were both martyred in Rome in 64 AD. So <clears throat> that's the historical setting. That's the background for the verses that we're reading. Another important thing in interpreting Scripture is to, we talk about organic. How does it fit into the whole story of the Bible? And sometimes we're reading just a few verses, but you have to understand the context to understand them. So we're going to back up a few weeks. We're going to back up a few weeks and get a running head start to our verses today so we can understand our verses. So we're going to back all the way back in 2 Timothy 1 to verse 8. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me as prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God. As persecution is spreading throughout the Roman Empire, as Christians understood that Paul was in prison, Paul says, don't be ashamed of me, don't be ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God to save anyone and everyone who believes, who has saved us. And called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was granted to us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. Paul tells Timothy, listen, God chose us and loved us before the world was even began. He's called us to himself. He has a great purpose for our lives. But now has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Oh, the gospel. Now, notice those three words, Savior, Christ, Jesus. Do you know that's kind of redundant? Because first we read Savior, and then we, we, we read Christ. That means the anointed one, and then Jesus means Savior. So he's really saying Savior, anointed one, Savior. Oh, and uh, we're learning today that Jesus enables us to be faithful, not fickle. And, and the reason that's so important is the only way we're going to be faithful is through the gospel. And the reason we need Jesus is the gospel teaches there's only one faithful person. There's only one faithful person who's ever lived. It's not you. It's not me. His name is, come on, is, is Jesus, right? Some of you say, what do you mean I've not been faithful? Well, when God gave the Ten Commandments, look at this verse in Exodus 20, verse 16. Will you read this with me? You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Okay, so let me ask you, in your whole life, have you ever told a lie? If you have, then you've not been faithful. I mean, if you said you've never told a lie, guess what? You just did, right? Uh, have you ever gossiped in your whole life? you ever exaggerated? Uh, how, how about this? Have you ever made a promise in your life? In your whole life, have you ever made a promise but you didn't kept, 
keep it. If you have, then you've not been faithful. None of us have, especially me. And I know some of you say, but sure, I've not been, you know, I've, not, I've told a few lies, but it's not that bad. So let me show you another verse in James chapter 2. Look at this verse. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles in one point, if you've only told one lie, only one broken, one promise in your whole life, you're still not faithful. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles in one point, he has become guilty of all. Listen, what we have in common is not how good we are, how faithful we are. What we have in common is we've all sinned against God, a God who's just. And listen, God can't wink at sin and say it doesn't matter. No, God says what we deserve for our lack of faithfulness is hell itself. We deserve separation from God and from all good things. That's the bad news. But the good news, there is one faithful person. There's one faithful person, and his name is Jesus. And the faithful person came to save us. Oh, back to our verse. But now, at just the right time in human history, has uh, been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus I'm so thankful to be a Christian. In religion, you have to save yourself. But what do you do if you've ever told a lie? How do you save yourself? But we have a Savior who came to save sinners. Um, God became a man. And you know, Jesus never lied, never broke a promise, never exaggerated, never gossiped. He lived a perfect life. And then he died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, that death is the penalty for sin. So the sinless one took our sins upon himself and died in our place. And then he rose on the third day, proving he had conquered sin and death. And do you know what he offers us? Salvation. It's a salvation from sin. It's a salvation from hell. It's a salvation for forgiveness. It's a salvation for life, doing life with Jesus, and immortality, the opportunity to live forever with Him. And how do we receive this gift? We receive the gift of salvation by receiving Jesus as our Savior and Lord. Have you? Oh, if you haven't, won't you? Here's what Jesus said. The verse that changed my life, Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and will dine with him and he with me. Jesus said, Smiley, look at your life. It's a mess. I want to move in and forgive you. Wouldn't you like to go to bed at night forgiven? You can be. Listen, let's do life together. Let's do eternity together. And I said, Yes, won't you? Listen, Receiving Jesus as Savior and Lord begins when we admit and say, Jesus, I've lied, and I've broken promises, and I've sinned against you. Won't you admit? You, you can do that now, or I'll help you when we close in prayer. And then I said, Lord, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And then I committed to Jesus as Savior and Lord. Jesus, come in and forgive me. Won't you invite him in and uh, be my Savior? Forgive me. Give me eternal life. I want you to be Lord of my life and help me be the person you want me to be, won't you? And if you have, listen, do you hear what this verse says? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will commend him. The faithful one moves in. What a game changer. The faithful one moves into us. I will commend him and will dine with him and he with me. And listen, when Jesus moves in, he says, listen, I'm in charge now. Follow me. 
follow me. And he becomes our model for life and ministry, our model for what it means to be faithful. And he gives us the Holy Spirit to give us the desire and power. Look at how Jesus lived. Don't you want to be faithful like that? Follow him. Oh, so thankful to have a model for faithfulness, aren't you? Um, so back to, our, back to our story, that was verse 10. Then verse 11, for which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher. So when Jesus moved into Paul, he says, I have a purpose for your life. And when Jesus moves into us, he has a purpose for our lives. We've all been given the Holy Spirit. We're all called to be his witnesses. We're all called to be disciple and disciple makers. For this reason, I also suffer these things, but I am not ashamed. For I know whom I am have believed. And I'm convinced that he's able to guard what I've entrusted to him until that day. And I can hear some of you, wait a minute, smiley, wait a minute, what's this suffering? You've been telling us the last few weeks about the glorious gospel of the happy God. Now, how can we have a glorious gospel of a happy God and now we're hearing about suffering? Uh, well, I'm going to teach you something that we can be happy and suffer at the same time. Did you know that Jesus gave in his word eight keys to happiness? Did you know that? That Jesus reveals eight keys to happiness, and we quote many of them all the time. We say, blessed are the merciful, happy are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy, right? And we say, blessed, happy are the gentle, for they shall uh, inherit the earth. But sometimes we forget the eighth key to happiness. So in Matthew chapter 5, verse 10, we read, Blessed, happy, happy are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom. They know King Jesus. <laughs> Blessed, happy are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice. And be glad. You see, suffering and happiness can coexist. For your reward in heaven is great. <laughs> and in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Jesus says, happy are the people who found someone, Jesus, worth suffering for, worth dying for. Happy are the people who found a cause, something great enough to suffer and die for. Our nation is committing suicide because there's no one worth suffering for. There's no cause worth suffering for. But as Christians, we have someone, Jesus. We have a cause worth suffering for and dying for. How many Americans in our family and friends are killing themselves with alcohol and drugs? Why? Because there's an emptiness inside. There's no one. There's no cause worth suffering for. The reason Christians are happy is we have someone. We have a cause worth giving our lives to. That's why Paul is in prison, and he's both happy and suffering at the same time. Happy. Have you found someone? What in your life, who in your life would you suffer for? What in your life would you suffer for? Jesus is worth suffering for. Spreading the gospel is worth sacrificing for. Well, back, back to our passage in 
in verse 10. The, the first part of this, verse 12, talks about suffering, right? For this reason I also suffer these things, but I'm not ashamed. For I know who I am and believe. Now let's listen to the second part. And I'm convinced that he's able to guard what I've entrusted to him until that day. Paul's, <laughs> we live in a culture that's obsessed with safety. We live in a culture where we tell one another, be safe, be safe. The Bible calls people to be strong and courageous because the Bible says safety is a myth. Safety is a myth. We're all going to die. We are fallen creatures living in a broken world, and we could die any day of our lives. There's only one safe place. The only place there's safety is to entrust our lives and eternity to Jesus for safekeeping. That's what he says. I know whom I believed. And I'm convinced he's able to what I gave to him to guard against that day. <laughs> I'm so thankful for Jesus. I can never find my wallet. I can never find my phone. What if my eternity rested in my own faithfulness? How horrific would that be? I've entrusted my life. I've entrusted them to Jesus for safekeeping. Oh, listen. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. The only safe place is to give our lives and eternity to Jesus because it's, uh, living is about Him and dying gets better. That's how people can be strong and courageous. They realize, I can't lose. To live is Christ. To die is gain. Hmm. Where we were last week, remember? Verse 13, retain the standard of sound words which you have heard from me in the faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. Guard through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us the treasure which has been entrusted to you. Last week, we learned that there's a treasure entrusted us, and it's the gospel. And last week we learned the Christian life is this great relay race. Have you ever thought about it? Jesus took the gospel, and he handed it to Paul. And so Paul received the gospel, and then he handed it off to Timothy. And then Timothy received the gospel, and he handed it off, and handed it all the way down to us. Isn't that cool? And we learn that Paul, the, 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 the baton has to be exchanged within the exchange zone. And Paul has been running the race of the gospel for 30 years. And he can see the end of the exchange zone. So as he hands the baton off, he doesn't say, be safe. He says, listen, guard the gospel. Guard it. It's precious. It's treasure. And so we learn that we receive the gospel, and then we run with the gospel, and then we pass on the gospel. And man, Paul wants him. He wants him to guard the gospel, and I did all of that so you'd understand the passage before us. Guard the gospel. And then he provides Timothy with examples of those who dropped the gospel because they were fickled. And then he provides them with models of people who were faithful, who guarded the gospel. Verse 15, you are aware of the fact that all who were in Asia turned away from me, among whom are Phygelus and Hermogenes. 
Now, Phygelus and Hermogenes, their mom and dad must not have loved them. <laughs> right? I mean, first grade, what's your name? Phygelus? How do you spell that? I have no idea, right? What's your name? Hermogenes. How do you spell that? I don't know. But the persecution that started in Rome spread. And many of those who said they were Christian, many of those who once walked with Paul and Timothy, when they saw it might cost them everything, they abandoned the faith. And the ringleaders of that were Phygelus and Hermogenes. Um, let me ask you, why would people abandon their faith? Hmm? I'm going to give you two reasons. One is fear, and the other is pride. When they saw Christians arrested, persecuted, and martyred, many of them said, I didn't really sign up for this, and they abandoned the faith. I recently read a book. I would encourage you to read it. It's by Eric McTaxis called An Open Letter to the American Church. It's called An Open Letter to the American Church, and he studied the similarities between Germany in the 1930s and our country today. And he said there were churches in Germany in the 1930s that hung swastikas outside their church buildings because what they were saying is, don't cancel us, don't persecute us, we agree with our civil government. And in our country today, you can see many churches and they hang what? Outside their doors. They hang what? Signs that we are LGBTQ friendly, that we are in harmony with our civil government. Don't persecute us. One reason Christians walk away from their faith is out of fear. But the opposite reason is because of pride. Because of pride. You remember Peter, right? That Jesus said, all you guys are going to fall away. And what did Peter say? Not me. These other guys, yeah, but not me. But he did. Let me ask you. When you see well-known Christian people abandon their faith, do you say, I would never do that, do you? You know what that does to me? Oh, Lord, I love you. Keep me from falling away. Lord, give me courage. Help me to be faithful. That's what I pray. We sang a song, and I sing it to myself whenever I hear that, you know, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. How can I go back? I've decided to follow Jesus. Lord, help me. People often say, smiling, how can we pray for you? We're going to read about it. And say, you, know, you know how you can pray for me? That I would fight the good fight, that I would finish the course, that I wouldn't abandon the faith, and, and that I would keep the faith. Would you pray that for me, that I would be faithful? And I'll pray that for you. Listen, I believe we're facing difficult times. We need to be for each other and pray one another. So he gives them some examples of those who drop the faith. And, and, and now he moves on. The Lord grant mercy to the house of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. I want you to know I have one Savior. His name is Jesus, but I have many heroes. Heroes don't save me. They inspire me. In our canceled culture, when people see someone with one flaw, they cancel them. Of course, I'm not really against that. If you do that to everybody, who's left standing? Only one person, Jesus, right? Heroes don't save us. They inspire us. 
Jesus saves us. And so in this chapter, Paul used himself as an example of someone who guarded the gospel. He says, Timothy, listen, I handed the gospel off to you. Guard the gospel like I did. And then he points him to his grandmother. Remember your grandmother, Lois? She guarded the gospel. She passed it on to her daughter, Eunice, remember? And remember your mother, Eunice? She passed it on to you. You're a part of a great relay race. Pass it on. And then he uses Onesiphorus. Oh, he often refreshed me. Do you know what happens when the faithful one moves in? You know what happens? He sticks out. Listen, whenever Jesus moves into someone, he begins to stick out. And so how do we know that Onesiphorus knew Jesus? Because he's sticking out of him. The reason Onesiphorus refreshed Paul was because Jesus refreshed him. Now, Romans had a very cheap prison system. They provided the housing, but it was up to your friends and family to provide food and water and company. So Onesiphorus loved Paul so much, he traveled from Ephesus all the way to Rome to refresh him, to encourage him, to provide him water to drink and food to eat. Now, why would he do that? Because Jesus crossed the universe to refresh Onesiphorus, right? And having been refreshed, he refreshed. I shared with you this morning my favorite verse, right? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and will dine with him. And he, Do you know that Jesus has breakfast with me every day? Do you know he refreshes me and encourages me? Why? So I can go out and encourage others. And do you know each morning when I have breakfast, he gives me living water. And as I'm quenched, my thirst, I'm surrounded by so many thirsty people. And I want to go and invite them to come and drink too. And he gives me the bread of life that satisfies my hunger so I can go to hungry people all around and give that away. Because when Jesus moves in, he always sticks out. We see that in Onesiphorus. He refreshed me. Oh, listen to the next thing and was not ashamed of my chains. You know why Onesiphorus was not ashamed of Paul's chains? Because Jesus was not ashamed of Onesiphorus. I mean, can we talk? So many times I've been a coward, and I've not spoken up about Jesus when I had the opportunity to. And so I want to show you a verse that so encourages me. Do you know that Jesus is not ashamed of me? There's no reason I should be ashamed of him, but often I am. Have, have you ever been? But you know what? He's not ashamed of me. In Hebrews chapter 2, two verse 11, For both he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified are all from one Father, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. <laughs> Jesus is not ashamed to call us his little brothers and little sisters. Isn't that amazing? And we're, when we're blown away that Jesus is not ashamed of us, we'll find that we have great courage to speak up about him too, just like Onesiphorus here. And when he was in Rome, he eagerly searched for me and found me. Now, why would Onesiphorus go all the way from Ephesus to Rome? Why would he risk his life to seek and find Paul? Why would he do that? I mean, Paul's first imprisonment, he was in a house. 
And, uh, and everybody knew where he was. But now he's in a dungeon, and, and so he has to go and ask people, do you know where Paul is? And they were arresting Christians, and they were putting them to death. So every time he asked someone, where is Paul, he was risking his life. Why would he do that? Why would he risk his life? To encourage a brother. Do you know why? Because Jesus moved into him, that's why. And what does the gospel say? For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. Oh, man. Onesiphorus knew that one day he was lost, and Jesus didn't come and, and risk his life. Jesus gave his life to seek and save him. And you know what? When we are blown away that once we were lost, and Jesus sought us and saved us, then we'll take risk too. We'll take risk to go out to others too and encourage our brothers or to share the gospel with people, right? Oh, we see Jesus sticking out of Onesiphorus all over the way. Do people see Jesus sticking out of us, do they? <clears throat> um, the Lord grant to him to find mercy from the Lord on that day. That day is the judgment day. Um, listen, eternal life, salvation is a free gift. Salvation is a free gift, but there will be rewards in heaven. And, and, and Paul is saying, Lord, listen, Onesiphorus has been so, so faithful, Lord. May you reward him and his family on that day for their faithfulness in this life. Eternal life is a free gift. Salvation is a free gift, but there will be rewards in heaven for faithfulness. And notice what he says, and you know very well what service, services he rendered at Ephesus. Oh, he says, man, Onesiphorus is so special to me. He's a friend. He's a friend. He had been his friend in Ephesus. He had been his friend in Rome. He was a friend that stood by him. Don't we all long for a friend like that? Don't we, don't we want to be a friend like that? <clears throat> in Proverbs 17, verse 17, a friend loves at all times. Don't we all want a friend like that? A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Isn't that what Onesiphorus was? Do you know how he was able to, to be a friend who loves all the time? Do you know how he was able to be a brother in adversity? Because he had a friend like that. He had a friend like that named Jesus. And when Jesus moved into Onesiphorus, you know what he said? I'm with you always. When he moved into Onesiphorus, you know what he said? I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. And when we have a friend like that, then we can be a friend like that. Um, let me show you a verse that so inspires me. I mean, Jesus is our model, isn't he? He's our model for life and ministry, and this is so who I want to be. John 13, it's that last night. And Jesus is with his disciples. Did I tell you it was the last night? Now before the feast of the Passover, Jesus, knowing that his hour had come, that he would depart out of the world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. I love that. Isn't that faithfulness? That last night, what's he doing? He's washing dirty feet of proud hearts. He washed their feet. The next day on the cross, bearing our sins. Hey, Mom, don't worry. John will take care of John, take care of Mom. Listen, he loved his own. He, loved, he, he led the thief to faith. He stayed on the cross until he could cry out what? It is finished. 
Jesus, I want to be like you, don't you? One day I stood before people and, I, and before God and I said, you know, I'm going to love my wife. I, I want to love her. I want to love her to the end. Don't you? I have children and grandchildren. I want to love them like Jesus did. And I want to love them to the end. Don't you? Listen, I love you guys. And I want to love you like Jesus. And I want to love you to the end. Don't you? You see, it's Jesus who enables us to be faithful, not fickle, because he saves us. He forgives us and moves in and says, I'm in charge now. Follow me. I have a beautiful life for you. Come follow me. And he gives us the Holy Spirit to give us the desire and power to follow him and be faithful like he is. So <clears throat> that brings us to our action step for this week, which uh, what I really want you to do is to follow the faithful one. If you want to be faithful, <laughs> well, why not follow the one person who's faithful? Follow the faithful one. And well, how do we do that? Well, the first step is to abide. I love that word. It's a biblical word. In John 15, 5, Jesus says it's the key to bearing fruit. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. The word abide means to be with a friend who loves us and stay there. That's our part in the Christian life, <laughs> is to be with a friend who loves us and stay there. That's why <laughs> the Bible says it's the... That faithfulness is the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is faithfulness. So listen, as we gaze at Jesus, as we spend time with Jesus, the Holy Spirit forms Him in us. And that's why every morning when I get up, I have breakfast with Jesus because when I look at Him and I see how He loved His own who were in the world and He loved them to the end, to the, end the Holy Spirit forms that in me. And that's why we gather on Sundays. We gather to gaze, to gather the faithful one so that he forms him in us. So you say, well, Smiley, are you faithful? And I would have to quote the great Dave Ackerman, our World Golf Village campus pastor, because what he taught me is I would say, I am except when I'm not. Smiley, are you faithful? Well, I am except when I'm not. Uh, I, I want to be faithful, and, and I'm a lot more faithful than when Jesus moved in. And, and sometimes I get it right. Sometimes I get it right, and people say, Smiley, I really appreciate that week after week you show up and you preach the gospel. I appreciate your faithfulness. And I would say, man, I am so thankful to be a follower of Jesus. In our mixed-up culture, in our fickle, fickle culture, I'm so thankful to be a follower of Jesus, right? But sometimes I get it really wrong. And listen, I'm really good at disappointing people, too. And people love to remind me of that and say, you know, you're so right. There is no one who needs Jesus more than I do. Will you pray for me that I would become more and more like the faithful one? Because I really do want to be like him, and I'm sorry I've disappointed you. Listen, the first step in following Jesus, or the, the faithful one, is to abide in Christ. Secondly, we need to team up. We need to team up. Back to my track story. I loved to watch track meets. And when I read a middle, watch a middle-distance event like the 1500, especially if it's a professional meet, you know what they do? They hire a pacer. They pay someone to set the pace because they realize they won't run a fast time unless someone pulls them. So someone sacrifices themselves and goes first and pulls them. 
They also have others they're running with because they run faster together, being pulled and together than they would ever run alone. It's like that as Christians do. Oh, let me show you in Proverbs. Um, in Proverbs 13, 20, He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Really difficult question. How many of you want to be fools? <laughs> Already is. All right. How many of you would like to be wise? Come on. How, how, you want to be wise? Well, it gives you a very simple thing. If you want to be wise, then go where wisdom gathers. And if you want to quit from wrecking your life, go or avoid where wisdom scatters. So let's change that a little bit. You want to be faithful? He who walks with faithful men will be faithful. But the companion of fickle people will suffer much harm. We live in a fickle culture. I love sports. I love football. But in college football today, young men are recruited. And they make a verbal commitment to play at a school. They give their word they're going to play for a school. And other coaches try and flip them and get them to break their word. Even after they sign and play for a team, other coaches now are trying to get them to come to their team. Oh, man, I wish his coaches pursued and pursued and pursued until they gave their word. And then they left them alone. You know why? Because one day those young men will stand before God and other people, and they'll make vows to their wife but they were in a culture that encouraged them to be unfaithful if they could make more money or have a better-looking spouse, and I think that's tragic. And that's why I believe if we want to be faithful in our culture after we connect to Jesus, we need to find a church and we need to join it. You know why? Because we're never going to be faithful on our own. And we need to anchor ourselves in. And then we need to find a small group, and we need to plug in. And then we need to find a Paul. We need to find someone and say, will you help me follow Jesus? Will you help me be a faithful follower? We need a Paul, someone who's pulling us, just like they have pacers in a race. We need someone pulling us. And then secondly, we need to turn around and we need to find a Timothy. We need to find a Timothy, and everything we learn from Paul, we hand off to our Timothy. Man, I'm thankful for the Pauls in my life. They have pulled me and invested in me. But I'm so thankful for the Timothys because every week I meet with people, and I say, Jesus invites us to follow him. And I'm thinking, maybe I should follow him too first, right? And I'm meeting with people, the importance of reading the Bible. And as I pass it on, I'm thinking, hmm, Maybe I should read the Bible too. And as I'm equipping people to share their faith, here's how we can share your faith. I think, ooh, maybe I should go first, right? Oh, one of the things that really helps us to be responsible is to have a Paul investing us and a Timothy we're investing in. Do you? Oh, faithfulness is a beautiful thing. It's beautiful in life. 
It's beautiful in a marriage. It's beautiful in work when people are faithful workers. It's beautiful in ministry when small group leaders show up every way. It's a beautiful thing. When people are faithful in investing others, it's a beautiful thing. That's why we need Jesus. He's the only faithful one. Jesus enables us to be faithful, not fickle. And that's why I plead with you this week, follow the faithful one. Don't follow our culture. Follow Jesus. Abide in Him. Be with a friend who loves you and stay there. And then team up. Don't try and do it alone. I want to invite you to do something. I love where Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, Paul says, Be imitators of me just as I also am of Christ. <laughs> Paul said, Man, I've got one hand on Jesus. And he said to Timothy, Come follow me. Come follow me. Um, listen, I want to follow Jesus. I want to be faithful. Don't you? Don't you? Hey, listen, follow me. Hey, let's do this. Let's do this together. Let's follow the faithful one in a fickle culture together. Let's pray. Jesus, we're so thankful there is one faithful person, and it's you. Lord, thank you for coming to seek and save those that had not been faithful. Thank you for coming to save sinners. Thank you for living a perfect life and dying on the cross in our place and rising and offering us salvation. Listen, if you've never been saved, won't you? One day it'll be too late. Wouldn't you like to be saved from sin and held and saved for forgiveness and life and eternity with Jesus? He's here. Won't you tell him, Jesus, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. And I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And I want you to come in and be my Savior and forgive me and give me eternal life. I want you to be the Lord of my life. Help me be the person you want me to be. Oh, listen, if you've done that for the first time, way to go. Won't you mark it on the card? We'd love to celebrate with you. Tell someone. Jesus, I pray for all of us who've received you that you would stick out of us this week, that people would see you sticking out of us in all kinds of ways, that we're serving and seeking and, and we're consistent as friends. Lord, I pray this week that we would renew our desire to follow you, that we would follow the faithful one. Lord, help us this week to abide in you, to be with a friend, a faithful friend who loves us and stay there. Lord, help us to team up. Lord, some of us, we need to find a church home and commit. Lord, some of us need to find a small group. Lord, help us to do that. Lord, help us to find a Paul. Will you help me? Lord, we need to find a Timothy. Lord, who would you have me help faithfully follow you? For we pray in Jesus' name.